Talking to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my right is Roy. Good afternoon, everybody. How was your week, Donovan? It was good. It was good. Things were well. I got to made it up to uh, actually last Tuesday, week from this Tuesday. I went up to Lake Elsinore and uh, got to talk to some guys. We'll be having that uh, audio a little bit later on, but it was a good week. Nice. I, I got up to Lake Elsinore myself. Angela and I went up on Saturday. I didn't capture any audio. I got a few autographs, but I can't quite display those in uh, audio format. So we'll just leave that. No, but the ball's right over there in the corner. It's really nice. Yeah, I got a team photo too. It's team photo day. <laughs> so uh, breaking news. I mean, and, and it's funny because like whenever we're done with a podcast, if the, you know, my first thought is, like, oh my God, I have nothing to talk about next week and I got to create the agenda and I've, I have nothing to talk about. Nah, there's always news um, that comes up. God, and there's just it just kept coming. It kept coming. It kept coming. Uh, breaking news, if you want to call it breaking news or not, but Cal Quantrill is... Coming up. Yeah, I guess uh, A.J. Casavell broke the news. I think it was last night that I first saw it. Really? And I just saw it today at work. Maybe it was late last night, early this morning. Um, but yeah, it was on MLB.com. He said sources confirm that he will come up. Obviously, the team can't state anything until the actual roster transactions happen. Right, right. So he's going to come up, make his MLB debut tomorrow, Wednesday night. Um, and I th- I think I'm, I'm expecting that Anderson Espinosa is going to go to the 60-day DL because of news that we will be stating in a minute here. That'll open up the roster spot. I don't know about the the active roster. Right. I saw that um, Phil Maton was called up um, and Tatis hit the DL. I guess that's our other breaking news. IL. The IL, yes, the IL with his, with his hamstring. But it sounds like the hamstring injury isn't too severe. So hopefully some rest and uh, some prayers were answered. Some therapy Definitely. and all that. Yeah. <laughs> prayers were, they were answered because I didn't see the play, but I heard about it and then I saw the picture. I'm like, oh, that's not I'm like, well, he's 20 years old. He should be that flexible. And, but hamstrings are gnarly. I and there are most 20 year old men are not that flexible. Yeah. So think he must do a lot of stretching to be able to do that and not really hurt something. Yeah, so Cal Quantrill is going to be up in the major leagues making uh, making a start on Wednesday. Yeah, congratulations, Cal. Other so let's get back to the let's get to podcast mojo. It's yeah. going to be now. I love saying podcast mojo, and he's been interviewed by other blogs. He's been interviewed by several different sites. No, no, but this podcast is the one that makes the difference, right? We I think it's really getting the audio, hearing his voice, yeah. and having the having the interview is what makes the mojo. Mm-hmm. So Ty Fritz got called up last week, and I know congratulations, ancient news by now, but. Certainly, it's uh, it's it's cool for us to be able to say that it's our second major leaguer that we have used, that we have gotten to the major leagues. It's yeah. not hard work. It's not hitting 400 in AAA and hitting 15 bombs in like three days. Well, he wouldn't have been hitting 400 in AAA if he hadn't come on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Had a killer spring. Yeah, I mean, Tom Cosgrove is off to a nice start. Yeah. Gabe Moser is doing well. Jack Sawinski's tearing it up. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later on. So all the guys that we talk to, they seem to go on and have a good season. So, yeah. you know, for all you minor league Padres players out there, you, you, you might want to pick up the phone when we come calling. Yeah. Or Sam, get those guys on our, uh, you know, on our Twitter page and have them come on, on the podcast. So what's impressed me so far out of Ty, obviously he's hitting well. He's, I think, three for four. Yeah. Maybe he maybe he's even more than that after yesterday's game. Uh, but what impresses me is just the the quality of his hat bats. That he's yeah. up there, he looks comfortable in the box. He's spitting on pitches he should be spitting on. Absolutely. He's swinging it at the good pitches to hit. He's fouling the ball off. He's getting a lot of pitches in each at bat. So it's not like he's just going up there and trying to crush it. He's no. really really being smart. He does. He looks really comfortable. It looks like a professional. Looks like a major league hitter. And actually, he's up to bat right now as we as we watch the Chris Paddock game uh, against the Braves with him. And he's up fouling, fouling off, off good pitches. It's you one, know, he's, one and two. You start fouling him away. 
You know, and that's he was going to be our third baseman if we wouldn't assign Manny Machado. And I was okay with giving him a shot before Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. And now seeing him up here now is like, okay, it wouldn't have been like it wouldn't have been that bad. We, you know, Manny Machado is Manny Machado. Don't get me wrong. That's like we're stoked to have Manny. But you know, people are saying he's maybe a platoon guy, but so far he's looking really good. Well, if he winds up being so Ian Kinsler was supposed to slide into some kind of a backup, you know, backup first, second, and third base. Yeah. If that winds up being Ty France and Greg Garcia backing up the infield, I am all for that. Yeah. Uh, despite what happened yesterday with Greg Garcia, I, he's a good bat and he's he's got an okay glove. And it's not yeah. you know, just a couple of bad plays and whatever that is. But moving on also, and I can't, we can't not mention Vladdy Guerrero Jr. made his uh, major league debut also on Friday. And there's a big hoopla. He's been the first 80-grade bat, scout 80-grade bat uh, brought up ever. I, don't, I think it's the first time it's ever been put on a, on a prospect or a minor league player. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine Miguel Cabrera seems to be a decent comp for him. Miguel Cabrera might have been a little more athletic when he came into the league, but the hit tool was there yeah. the day he stepped in. And it makes me think of that, the World Series appearance where he was up against Roger Clemens and Clemens threw him a brush back. And then a couple of pitches later, he takes him yard and he was like 19, like a kid. He was so young, so thin, so good looking. I mean, he was a good looking kid back then. Now now he's just Miguel Cabrera. Um, You know, they had a big press conference for him. Uh, They had the commercial uh, with his dad speaking, you know, Dominican and having video of him, of him as a child. And then the, I love those pic, the videos yeah. and the pictures of him as it, a little kid out there in the Expos uniform. And I love that he's his, his dad played in Canada, made yeah. his debut in Canada. And now his son, the son is making the debut in Canada. That's very cool. Well, and he's from, you look at his birthplace. He's born in Montreal. Oh, was he? Yeah. He's born. He's a Canadian. Oh, wow. He's right there with team Canada and Josh Naylor. All right. Um, so and back we have a, and Putin and all that. No, that so, was, go on. That was just a line out. I, I thought you were right. going to get excited for a big I, Will Myers swing. God, we can't do this. the minor league podcast. <laughs> um, but going about so what I wanted to say is also, you know, the rookie um, uh, Carter Kibrum came up. Kibun came up as well. And he, yeah, uh, against the Padres. Against the Padres. And um, the one thing I worry, kind of worry about Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is – um, and this is just a faint worry that he's going to take all the press and he's going to take rookie of the year away from our ex- very good candidate and Fernando Tatis Jr. Well, he's in the American League, so yeah, he's not going to take it away, but he he's definitely he's number one with a bullet on everybody's list. Yeah. And then Tatis is number two. But if you go on Padres Twitter, everybody on there is fighting so hard. We're campaigning for Tatis because he's the rounded player. He plays defense. He's got speed. He's got the strong arm. He's got power where Vlad has power. He can hit. And then everything else is kind of a question mark. But that hit tool is just so strong that it overpowers everything else. Yeah. And that, you know, I really totally forgot that he's an American league. It's just he's. Thank God he's in the American League. Now, now Carter Keboom, <laughs> if Carter Keboom keeps doing good things, he could, you know, he could be a, a competitor. Absolutely. But if, rookie of the year is great. It's just a trophy. It's an award. It's a cool thing to put up on your mantle. It is. But really what we have is a centerpiece player for what we hope it becomes a championship franchise. Absolutely. And you know, another one of those things I like about, you know, your Vladdy Guerrero Juniors, your, your Fernando Tatis, um, they all have swagger. They're all, they're coming up, they're smiling, they're having fun. Like you saw, you know, 
Vladdy Jr. came in with his dad's Montreal jersey on. Um, every interview you see him, he's smiling and having a good time. He has the cornrows. Um, you see Tatis and everything's a smile and he's having a good time. Really more so on the field than um, if you saw this last Saturday, Jr. was uh, Tatis Jr. was on the R- at bat or RBI like morning kids show for MLB and it was kind of cool. And Manny Machado was also on that. But um, all these kids have swagger. They're having a good time. And uh, also Cole Tucker, if you've, if you've seen interviews with Cole Tucker, the top prospect that came up for the Pittsburgh Pirates, curly hair, just a thin stud, but he uh, he was interviewed right after his first game and it was like, yeah, did you guys see that? Wow, that was, I couldn't believe I hit the ball that far. It was just all this personality, all this enthusiasm where in the past, you know, you see guys and there are some of the guys in the major leagues that are coming up that aren't so much swagger, but they're like, yeah, just glad to be here. Uh, really, you know, just worked hard to get here. And- well, Nick Margavichis seems like that. He's yeah. very humble. He's yeah, he's kind of soft spoken. He's not the the out there bold kind of a person. Yeah. I, there's an there's an ethnic part to that. I'm sure a, a culture right. thing the that, Latin that, guys that, that comes more behind that. Fun. Yeah, let the kids play. Let the kids play. Absolutely. And so it, that means that the veterans aren't suppressing the behavior. They're not yeah. saying show up and shut up, sit in the corner and watch, earn you know, pay your dues. It's these kids are here. They're talented. They're working hard. Yeah. So as long as they're showing up on time and doing everything they're supposed to do, have fun. You're yeah. playing a game. Absolutely. Um, so let's go ahead. Go ahead and cue the mash music. Okay. All right. So that. That's just this next whole bit's going to be all the injuries. We, uh, you know, it's just it's devastating. Right-handed pitcher Anderson Espinosa underwent his second Tommy John surgery uh, last Monday, a crushing blow for the one-time Padres top prospect. He hasn't pitched since 2016. Uh, but he, he did pitch in front of us during spring training. We, we saw him, and he wasn't the sharpest, but the velocity was there. The control wasn't there, but the velocity and the and the off-speed stuff was also there. And he only pitched the one inning. And I don't know if it was because of discomfort, but, you know, he, he pitched. And But when we saw him, I think that's all that he was scheduled to do. Just the winning, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so he pitched. He came off. They went over to the table. They stretched him out. Everything looked normal and fine yeah. and all of that. But apparently, and then I, I think in the game that he came out, he only faced one batter. And then he walked off the field. Or maybe it was one in anyway. He walked off. He didn't seem to be in a ton of discomfort, but still it was clear that he came out when he wasn't scheduled to come out right and then we didn't hear anything we didn't hear anything and then boom news drops that he's gonna undergo tommy john surgery yeah and he was throwing he was pitching in games and it happened against the white Sox uh rookie league team uh in peoria you know and so he's out for another full year 18 months easy but this came from uh from uh, aj preller for him personally it's so tough he put in a ton of time and effort into it. He just wants to get on the mound and pitch. In spring training, he's out there throwing with velocity, throwing free and easy. Before even pitchers in a game, before even pitches in a game, that's a tough blow for him. But he's handled it well, and as a young person could handle it. As a young person could handle it. Excuse me. So I saw on Twitter Michael Paddock. Somebody asked Michael Paddock about did Chris know Anderson because they were both rehabbing at the same time. And apparently they talked a lot and they kind of helped each other through the whole process as Chris was further along. Yeah. But man, that's, that's just devastating. 
Yeah. He's still young, but I mean, he's already lost what two full seasons. Two heads. Yeah. And now it looks like it's probably going to be two more. So what? He's going to be twenty three and. Now, He'll be 22 years old in 2020. Yeah, and he's he's been listed on top 100 lists. He's listed as a Padres top 10 prospect by several people. And now people aren't even sure if, A, if he's even going to play baseball again. again. But if he does, there's a really strong chance that he comes back in a reliever capacity and doesn't even get consideration as a starter. You know, and that's okay. Uh, we just want him to come back. Oh, and, yeah. And if he comes back as a kick-ass reliever guy, we still throw in the mid-90s. Uh, you know, with the off-speed and breaking ball stuff, fine. But just, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, yeah. I, 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 when I saw that, my heart sunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not all we have. Uh, right-hander Pedro Avila will be shut down for at least two weeks with an elbow sprain. And the team is optimistic his injury isn't that serious. I, I, I can't help but be gun-shy, though, because we've heard this kind of thing. And somebody's going to rehab. They're going to work. They're Oh, they're, we're slowing them down. We're going to take a couple weeks. And then that just keeps going and going. And next thing you know, they're shut down for good. But I'm I'm staying optimistic about Pedro that we're going to see him again this year. Absolutely. And you're right, because it's been the Padres' forte or, you know, the way they do it is like, oh, he's just, it's going to be okay. Oh, he's going to get Tommy John. Well, they can't let information out. Right. You know, somebody was talking about, I saw people talking about Tatis's hamstring, hamstring. And they're not going to, they're not going to put that news out right away. They're not going to give full information. He had to stay on the roster for a day. Yeah. And I would imagine that they just didn't have a player to shuttle into the roster, so they're going to leave him on there. And they can't let the Braves have information that he's not going to play, so you don't even plan around him. You still have to look at him and go, maybe they're going to pinch hit, maybe we're going to pinch run. And so, you don't know. And you don't yeah. know until the next day. It's like, how are you feeling, kid? All right, it feels okay. All right, so we're not going to do it today. Next day, like, ah, it's looking like we might have to put on the deal. It's... Like it takes time for that stuff to know. They don't know right away when they walked out of the field. Like, we'll put them on the ten day. Yeah, you know they got to see if it's going to respond to treatment. If mm-hmm. it's going to be any, you know, if it's going to be any worse than it really is. Um, but uh, once again, lefty prospect Adrian Morahone was evaluated by doctors. He was shut down last week because he had some muscle tightness in his shoulder and back. Uh, but the Padres don't think it's serious. He'll probably resume throwing this weekend, which would have been this last weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, last year he was injured with uh, with his right hip and the tricep injury limited him to 13 starts last year. Uh, he was shut down last August 5th, and that was it. Well, it was a bunch of different kind of little ailments throughout the season, wasn't it? I remember yeah. the hip, and then it went to the the triceps. Is what told, they said, all right, that's it, done. Boom. Yeah, they pulled the plug on him. I mean, he's a strong looking kid. When you see him yeah. walking around, he's clearly built. So it's not like. You, if you see somebody, they get too big on top and then the lower body can't support right. it and you see like oblique, whatever, that, that doesn't seem to be the case with him. So I don't know. He, he's another case. The top prospect, you want this guy to be healthy and make a strong season and rise up the ranks and maybe we can start talking about him for next year possibly. But man, all right, let's just have to be patient. Uh, it's a long season too. It's, it's a long season. But, you know, our prospect the reason why we have one of the top we have the top prospect system in major league baseball is because of all the pitching depth and it just seems like all these guys and i know avila wasn't on avia avila sorry, avila avila uh wasn't on you know any top prospects but it's still it's pitching depth um, he was on the 40-man roster he made a quality quality start for the padres exactly uh but to see how these guys go down it's just it's really heartbreaking uh, in Peoria, Osvaldo Hernandez is getting stretched out in preparation to join the Lake Elsinore storm rotation. He likely has three to four more starts and extended before he's ready to head out. 
which will put him back on track for about mid-May. So this is good news. Yes. And then Michelle Baez. He's well, hold on. To- if you, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I put in my notes here. Like, if you follow him on Instagram, he always posts his, like, end of the, I don't know, Fortnite has at the end of your level, you get, a, like, a post little video or something like that. Oh, when you win a... I, I don't play Fortnite, I so I don't know do the I. But it's like when you win a battle, when you take first place in the thing, there's, you know, and that's a big deal in Fortnite. Yeah, because he posts that video every time, so he posts it a lot. So he must be pretty good at it. Yeah. I um, wonder if Carlos Aswahe is uh, recruiting him for Motivate Gaming. Let's not go there. Let's not go. <laughs> <laughs> so Michel Baez has made two one-inning appearances in the desert as he makes up for lost time after back injury sidelined him in spring training. The big righty would head out to Amarillo about two weeks behind Hernandez's departure if all stays on track. I find it interesting that he's making single inning appearances. Mm. And one of the things I hear people say about Baez is reliever risk, that they see that due to his repertoire and his his control and his ability to repeat or lack thereof, I guess you could say, because right. he's so big that they consider that he, there's a good chance he might become a reliever. Uh, we hold out hope that he's going to stay a starter. But if he's not pitching more than a, a couple innings at a time already, it makes me wonder if they're just prepping him to be a reliever to start the season off. You know, and that's okay. That, mm-hmm. That's okay. If he, and we we see these guys more like everyone's going to be a starter. There's five spots in their rotation. Five spots. Well, there's five spots in the rotation, but it takes 8, 10, 12 starters to get through a, a major season. league season. Right, right. We just want to get him on the mound. Like I just want to get him out of spring, uh, extended spring training, get him an affiliate. Um, with all this stuff with with how well Osvaldo's doing going up to Lake Elsinore, how well um, Ryan Weathers is doing in Fort Wayne, and you know last night Mackenzie Gore four innings in the third, ten strikeouts. Yeah. There's twelve outs in four innings. Ten of those guys swung and missed for now. Yeah, so we're gonna see the the roster shuffle. Like I think sooner before the All Star break, and and if not. In the next week or two. Boy, I, I, I hope they hold off a little bit because I want to get up and see Mac again. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we have some stuff we'll talk about later on that I want to get to him before before you shipped out to Amarillo. Um, but to finish up the uh, the, the uh, MASH unit, the triage unit. Or <laughs> well, I think we're, we're past that we're, part. Now we're, we're talking about good stories about people on the road recovery or developing skills. You've got Javi Guerra here. Um, yeah. Javi Guerra could be on track to leave the complex before either of them. Once seen as the club's future shortstop, he agreed to move to the mound this spring. He should make his first appearance in a game Thursday after success in a series of live batting practice sessions. So it's, I I would think for him, it has more to do with the preparation, the routine, yeah. the uh, just the demeanor of how you have to, you know, what you have to do on a mound. What happens if a runner gets on base? How do you not balk? And there's a lot of little intricacies to being a professional pitcher. Yeah. So being able to stand there and throw upper 90s and being able to flash a slider is one thing, but to 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 do it on a professional level and get outs, that's that's a different kind of skill set. But if he's already getting close, that's very promising because he's on the 40-man roster. Yeah, and he's been there for two years now. Yeah, so the team needs to make – he needs to make hay. So it is good. So that that's – so that's the news, and let's get into the affiliate rundown. Uh, let's start in El Paso. Uh, single for El Paso. Thursday, Logan Allen was replaced in the second inning after giving up three home runs. He gave back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. I started watching that start, and it was back-to-back-to-back to back to back home runs, and I was just like, ah. 
And then he gave up a pair of singles and after a fielding error by Josh Naylor. So if he would have, if Naylor would have made that catch, I'm pretty sure he would have been out of the inning. And then he made the error, home run, home run, home run. Okay, it's juice ball, whatever, single. Okay, done. This was in Las Vegas too, right? This is Las Vegas. So So it's a small park. They're in a little bit of elevation. It's dry air. Yeah. And he threw a lot of pitches. So um, this marks the the third time in the five starts that Logan Allen has not made it past the third inning. The 21-year-old also gives him consecutive starts without giving up any walks, which plagued him through his first three starts. Allen's last three starts, he's shown improvement giving up only five earned runs in 12 and two-thirds innings with 13 Ks. And here's another example. Friday, J.J. Cooper tweeted, uh, "This is there have been nine Triple A games that are final so far today. In those nine games, there have been 24 home runs. There are 11 AA games that have gone final. There have been 12 home runs in those games. It's just, the ball is just, I don't know why it's more juiced in, in the minors. Maybe it's like a pitching and better hitters. Well, it's already a, a hitter's league. Yeah. And so with the smaller parks and the 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 environment that they're in, you know, just the desert cities and all of this, and then you add into that a ball that's rock hard and it's slick and it has less wind resistance and all this than the ball that they were using in the, in the past. So you get it up in the air and it's out. And it, Luis Urias hit five home runs last weekend. We're going to go over that in and a minute. <laughs> granted, the, most of them were bombs, and he's elevating the ball and hitting it differently than we've seen him hit right. it. But he's not a home run hitter. That's Mm-mm. not his profile. No. So I, I, I find this quote that you have here. He says, you almost want to promote him to get him out of the league. Yeah. But I... If he if he's given up hard hit balls, hard hit balls are hard hit balls wherever so, you go. Yeah, so and they're going to be very hard hit in the major league baseball. So there's the something leagues. that changed because early in spring he was effective, and then right at the end he fell off, and then he hasn't quite found it. Cal Quantrill that we mentioned earlier, yeah. he's put together some solid starts. His stat lines don't look pretty, but that's because nobody's stat lines look pretty in right. AAA right now. But he's had effective starts where he's looking good and good enough where they're going to give him a shot. Logan Allen. I, I don't know what's not there. And the the talent is there. I believe in him. He's going to get there. Yeah. It's just going to take another month or two maybe. And that's fine. And and that's the whole thing is let him get through that adversity by learning how to pitch better. Oh, yeah. And if it takes a little bit longer than usual, God, the kid's 21. He's 21. He's a Fernando Tatis of pitching right now. Yeah, it's just weird. It, it feels like he's been around for so long. It, it really has. Um, so, yeah. So, let's, let's see how that goes. A double... Okay, so Carlos Torres uh, signed as a minor league uh, free agent and has become a favorite follow on Twitter. He, uh, when they first got to Las Vegas, uh, he had this quick time video of him. Uh, <laughs> it was like, even on off days, uh, pitchers got to get their work in. And they show a quick time video of him, like, taking up his bed, throwing all the sheets off, putting up the bed on the side of the wall, and then throwing into the bed in his hotel room. I'm like, that was, fucking, that was so funny. And then he posted this two-minute video uh, with his review of the Las Vegas ballpark with some it's really interesting stuff that he has here. So we're going to play that for you right now. So you guys may or may not know that the batter's box consists of clay. Why? So that your cleats stick in when you're pivoting and all the above. Paul Cashman had just dirt. It was not only dangerous, but you slipped out of it 24-7. The most dangerous to me happens to be when uh, the pitcher's not. 
because the pitcher's mound was the same exact thing. There's nothing but dirt. So there'd be an enormous hole in it 24-7 versus having clay, which allows a pitcher to get proper footing, which means you're not going to airmail a ball and somebody's not going to get hurt either. But for some reason, the old stadium was maintained by the city, which they changed towards the very end of the tenure. But I'm extremely happy that they changed that. This park is being maintained by professionals. This park does not have as high of walls. But one thing old Cashman did do was the playing surface, especially that part right in front of the mound, or right in front of the plate, I mean. And the surface itself was really, really hard. I know you guys look at stats and you see the PCL is an absolute hitter's park. It's a complete joke. But one of the reasons why is because of field conditions. And now that we have the juice baseball in the minor leagues, you can see the home run totals skyrocketing in comparison to where they were. In our first series, we hit 19 home runs. And that was just the first five ball games. So just saying it's incredibly ridiculous uh, what this ball has done. These walls are a little shorter, yes, than Old Cashman, but you can tell that this playing surface is going to play softer. Old Cashman used to play like you're playing on a parking lot. So every time you hit a ball, if it got past the infielders and was between outfielders, it hit the wall every time, especially during the summers because it gets so hot here in, uh, in uh, Nevada and you can't water the field enough. So stuff like that comes into play when you see the stadium, but... So to add some context to that, uh, Carlos Torres is 36 years old. Yeah. He was he has nine years of major league experience, uh, most recently with the Nationals. But he used to be with the New York Mets, and in 2013 he played it for Las Vegas. So that was his home ballpark for an entire season. Um, and then throughout, he's he's seen the park throughout the years. He's played in the PCL since 2012. So he's got a lot of experience in those facilities. But one thing I think that speaks to is um, the the home part, the home team being the Las Vegas franchise yeah. is responsible for the facility, for the field. Yeah. And the, the parent team, the Mets in that case, um, I believe it's the Oakland A's, Triple yes, A affiliate now. The A's now. now, yeah. They're, they aren't required, they aren't obligated to to contribute, to, to pay, to help maintain those facilities yeah so a lot of these teams if they have an opportunity to either put money into the field or into a workout room or batting cages or we can do something that's going to directly generate revenue they're going to choose to generate revenue because they need to balance the books yeah and so i there's been talk about major league baseball coming up with some way of of standardizing the team's on regularly funneling money down to their minor league organizations to continually upgrade these facilities and like that. I mean, people get hurt. If you're a pitcher and you're up there and you're pitching on a mound and it's slick, it's hard, it's inconsistent. It's not clay. It's dirt. Like we play in high school baseball fields and it's a dirt mound and it's a dirt, you know, it's a dirt plate. Yeah. That is box. And so your cleat catches or you step on an uneven spot, your ankle rolls over your foot slides. Yeah. You're done. Yeah, and if you're trying to be a professional baseball player and you know play at an elite level, and if you're in the minor leagues, you're trying to get up to the majors, 
anything. You need a, you need a real surface. You need a real mound. You need a real batter's box. Um, I love that. <laughs> well, and, and we talk about that a lot, like the ball is juiced and, you know, the, the PCL is just a hitter's ballpark. We say that, but having it come from a player just gives us credence, you know, just really kind of kind of tells us that we're really speaking the truth there when the, it's the absolute joke. Um, he also, like, so on Sunday, the, the Las Vegas uh, team, they forgot to feed him. So we tweeted out when our two teams combined to have hit 47 home runs in nine games, we played against each other so far this year. Before game 10, the opposing team decides not to feed you breakfast and attempt to slow you down. Do, do not worry. We got this. And he has a picture of empty, stir, uh, of empty sternos in, um, in like four dozen empty box or like four boxes of empty donuts from Krispy Kreme. Do not worry. Do not worry. Uh, he'd love to have you guys follow him. He's on Instagram at Carlos G Torres. And on Twitter, he's Carlos OG Torres. Um, I did ask him if we could use that audio when he says, as long as it's respectful. I'm like, we're pretty respectful most of the time. Um, and we're going to tag him on this. So, Carlos, really thank you for letting us have that. And uh, keep being a cool follower. He had the IG, like, they had a long bus ride. He's like, time for some Instagram questions. Hit me up, you know? And uh, he's really interactive with fans. And that's cool. Because yeah. at 36, he's not, you know, he's just playing for the love of the game. He loves to pitch. Um, and he's not doing that bad for for the league that he's in. He's not doing bad at all. Um, so if you guys want to follow him, that'd be great. So let's go on. I, to- I'd like to think that he's the, the king of Chihuahua's Twitter. You know, he, we say that Robert Stock is the king of Padres Twitter. He, he Well, he's the dad, too. He's like 36. He is, yeah. He's the team dad. I, I'm sure he's older than, uh, well, he's not older than uh, Edwin Gonzalez, uh, Edwin uh, Rodriguez, but I'm sure he's older than some of the coaches there. Oh, I'm sure. So let's, let's move on. So the triple. So the triple for uh, El Paso. Matt Greeley is the PCL Public Relations Manager. He tweeted this the other day. Luis Urias, also he was PCL Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. Um, he had five home runs in the last two games, matches the PCL record for the most home runs in a two-game stretch. Done two other times in the league's 117-year history. So that just tells you how insane the ball is in minor leagues. Um, when Luis Urias, all five foot four of them, maybe one seven, maybe 170 with a soaking wet. I really don't know, but you know he's not a big guy. If he does that for the first time, you know third time in 117 year history uh it means something the last guy to do it was matt williams in 1988 uh that's a lot for so the, that, for the five game series he was 10 for 24 with a 1.333 slugging percentage it seems like all he's doing is hitting extra base hits down there yeah home run triple yeah. double you know so we know it's not the swing that's wrong with him i, I think coming up here getting a limited play time i um not having having a couple of struggles at the, at the plate and then just maybe putting that extra pressure on himself mm-hmm. and then not getting the chance to kind of you know get consistent get comfortable in the batter's box and it really showed in his at bats up here it's not it's not him oh it's him it's not the bat it's not the swing it's the confidence and i think hitting like that down there, it's going to give him that confidence. And then when he comes up, he can't sit on the bench. If he cannot sit on the bench. And I don't want to go Eric and Danny on this, but like he needs consistent playing time to work it out. So I was looking at last year. So Ian Kinsler, the situation kind of reminds me of where we were with Chase Headley a year ago. Yeah. Chase Headley was even worse than Ian Kinsler is this year. But right now, according to Fangraphs, Ian Kinsler is the least valuable player in all of baseball. And the Padres gave uh, Chase Headley 40 games 
before he made his final appearance in a Padres uniform. And we're at game like 28, 29 right now, I think. So I wonder if they're kind of waiting that same kind of, you know, before it's like, come on, how long can we really hang on to this? Yeah. Um, so my, my hope, my wish and dream is that they designate him for assignment and then offer him a job as infield coordinator. Here, come on, be coach. So, <laughs> well, I met the infield coordinator last Tuesday when I went up to uh, Lake Elsinore. And also Sam Ginney was up there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not sure if he'd come with us, but I'm sure if he retires that maybe he'd ride off, rides off for another sunset. He's yeah, made his money. That, that's a bitter pill to swallow. I mean, it these is. guys are really proud yeah. and he's had a long and very successful career. So to, to get that, that pat on the back, like, Hey, it's the end of the trail, man, that's, that's tough. Being a special assistant to the GM or something like that. But it's also tough watching watching him in the lineup every day struggling today for the first time he's in, in in my recent memory he's not in the lineup finally we have greg garcia at second base and ty france is starting at third base so happy for ty oh yeah just hopefully Arias gets the call up now so things fall back into where they're supposed to be and the hamstring gets better but anyway we're here to talk about minor league stuff. yeah and uh real quick before we move on to amarillo so instead of drinking water I, roy gave me lemonade do I got this pucker? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's a little, it's a little tart. I, I sound pretty bad <laughs> normally. Um, now it's just got to be horrible. I'm just, ah, woo, it's my, my plan was just to sabotage you. Oh, I, I, I do have one fun little stat here for AAA stats. Go ahead. Uh, for the Padres. Um, they've hit 40 home runs through 19 games and 799 plate appearances. That's a home run every 19.98 plate appearances. For his career, Reggie Jackson averaged a dinger every 20.28 plate appearances. So without adjusting for league and era, the Chihuahuas are more powerful than Reggie Jackson. <laughs> I, have to, I have to attribute that to a uh, Beyond the Box score article. That's excellent. So moving on to Amarillo, uh, single in a small sample size, the newly acquired Rodrigo Orozco is making A.J. Preller look like a genius. Uh, he's off to a great start, hitting 394, 506, 36. In his first nine games with five doubles and a home run, seven base on balls, and only six Ks. I love seeing more walks than strikeouts. Absolutely. He came over in the Socrates Brito. Socrates. Socrates. <laughs> I had to say it. I had to say it. My Bill and Ted. Right, Bill and Ted. Um, this Socrates Brito trade. Uh, the 23 year old there is uh, 400, 500, 667, uh, slashed in his first crack at double A. It makes me wonder why he never cracked cracked above single a at age 24 but whatever maybe this is a diamond in the rough dude and he's doing great and he's yeah. only 24 and mm-hmm. he's so he's playing at an age appropriate level um and just tearing the tearing the ball off the uh, turn the cover off the ball um he was teammates with fellow uh sod poodle edward Oliveras mm-hmm. in the toronto system which i thought was really cool they played in low a together um and brito is on the major league roster hitting 079 so um we, I, I loved having Brito here. That was kind of cool that we filled it in that time in spring training. But if we can get something, a diamond in the rough, like you said, that's great. Uh, moving on to double, right-handed pitcher Reggie Lawson earned his second victory, pitching five innings on Friday. Um, Lawson tied a career high with nine strikeouts while allowing two earned runs, both solo home runs, which is fine. They're solo shots. Reggie is averaging 14.5 strikeouts per nine, which would represent a career high. His 6.61 ERA isn't impressive, but one poor start has skewed the results. Excuse me. The 21-year-old has allowed three earned runs over his last 10 innings after opening the season with nine earned runs allowed over six and a third. Throw away that first start, and he's really good. 
You know, 26 Ks and 16 innings pitch, only eight base on balls. Maybe this is another <clears throat> case of the podcast bump. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit of that slider is working. We asked him about the slider. Yeah. Um, so really good for Reggie Lawson. He, you know, he had a couple of, everyone kind of seemed to have a couple of really bad first two starts. Where I, you know, looking into this, looking at his first two starts, looking at Logan Allen's first two starts, looking at Cal's first two starts, um, they looked rough. Well, I wonder and if there's that, that dead arm thing that toward the end of spring training and yeah. you're getting back up to speed. And yeah. then there's that period where the zip is just off the you're not getting the zip on your pitches and your velocity bump drops down for a little bit. And then it comes back. Maybe that's part of what who knows. Plus, it's also early in the season. The weather's all over the place. The the ballparks that they're playing in in the Texas League have some pretty extreme environments. I mean, Amarillo is definitely a hitter's environment. Yeah. And the wind can whip out there. It can. Woo, that lemon is good. It's so good. I can't stop drinking it, but God, I keep puckering up. <laughs> um, to round out Amarillo, a triple shortstop Owen Miller extended his hitting streak to seven with a single on Sunday. Miller got off to a slow start, but his recent hitting streak has raised his average to 280. So Owen Miller, I'm I'm a huge Owen Miller fan, Big Owen Miller and fan. the guy hits every everywhere he's been. He can play all around the diamond. I he's going to find a spot at some point. Yeah, and probably not this year, but soon. And so it's it's exciting to see a guy that he just drafted last year, and he's shooting up up through the levels. You know, he had a great spring too. We tried when we were out there in spring training. We tried to get to talk to him. The one shot we did, his parents were in. You know, his parents. He just took off to go see his parents. That's fine. Uh, he's going to be a good get. He's like that's. Now I have a mission. Now I need to interview. We need to interview Owen Miller. Okay. So uh, if if saying that gets it done in the offseason or whatever, that'd be fantastic. But that Raza Amarillo. So for Lake Elsinore, this last Sunday, I got up there super early after work and got to interview a couple guys and then watch Mackenzie Gore start, which was great. Uh, hello, puppies. Good to see you. And then I came and I interviewed Jack Zawinski, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Arias. They have a, an intern up there now. Matt Rodriguez uh, hired an intern, speaks fluent Spanish for the sole purpose of having the Latin guys talk to media guys, or at least translate. Okay, good. And she did an excellent job. You're going to hear it here in a second with Gabriel Arias. And then after the game, we're here with uh, Jack Zawinski. Jack, we cut your double. And then uh, in spring training, they got with the Big League Club. How oh, cool yeah. was that? That was awesome. So here's our little I mean, quick interview. There, or my little quick interview with Jack. Playing with those guys is pretty cool in general. And then going up and getting double, it's a pretty cool feeling. Nice. Uh, you kind of picked up where you left off last year in Fort Wayne. This year you're hitting really well. Um, what do you see in the Cali League that you're not seeing in, in Fort Wayne? Uh, probably just some pitchers executing their pitches a little bit more. And then uh, they're just more familiar with the strike zone so just more balls in the strike zone and then as a hitter you kind of pick up on their tendencies and just work off that what did uh did you do anything in the offseason to prepare for advanced a ball um i just worked with my trainer you know kind of picked up the intensity on that we've been together a few years now so we can kind of take things to the next level and then hitting wise same stuff i was doing at the end of last year so okay all right, so we didn't get a chance to catch up during spring training. Um, what do you want to focus on this season? Um, just coming out here and competing every day, competing every at-bat, every every pitch. Uh, just come in a good mood, ready to go. Just have fun with the guys, get some wins for the team. Nice. Okay, one more question. So 
do you want to attribute your hot start to hard work in the offseason, or was it really just the mojo you got from coming on the podcast? Uh, uh, probably a little bit of both. Good mix. <laughs> Good mix. Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate your time, man. Take yeah. care. Thank you. Yeah, dude. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's getting it's not a tired bit for me because I love the mojo thing but it was just cool to kind of catch up with him he was my first interview that right when I got there and uh just catching up with him was cool what what I like is that it's kind of ho-hum he's he's like yeah I'm doing all right I'm doing yeah. okay yeah am he I here seem impressed <laughs> yeah and so the next interview I had was uh Gable Arias and you're gonna hear Alex is their new intern that um that Matt hired to uh, help with you know, help with interviews and help with the transit, uh, any language barriers that they have with players. Also, you know, talking to her a little bit, um, you know, she wants to be in baseball. She's really young. Uh, God, she's 21, maybe 22 years old. Um, wants to be a GM. She's like, I want to be a GM. I'm like, well, this is a great start. You know, just being a, you know, intern. That's how they, most people start. We're here with Alec, who's going to translate for us. And we're talking to Gabriel Arias. Gabriel came into spring training, looked like he put on some muscle. Uh, what did he do this off-season off to, uh, to prepare for, for a season in high A? When you entered this season, that you had to lose a little bit of muscle. What did you do to improve your muscles? I helped a lot in my country, in Venezuela, because I worked a lot with Jose Martinez, the first base of San Luis, of the Grandes he said that when he went back in the offseason to Venezuela, to his country, uh, it helped him out a lot because he worked with Jose Martinez, which is the first baseman of the Cardinals, and um, it helped him out a lot, worked very hard with him. Fantastic. Uh, you're making better contact this year. Uh, what changes in your swing did you make in the offseason? Esta temporada estás dando más hits. ¿Cuáles fueron los cambios que hiciste durante tu descanso en Venezuela? Bueno, yo digo que eso fue una de las cosas que también me ayudó José Martínez, porque yo yo antes estaba muy muy largo con el swing y eso fue una de las cosas que él me que él me ayudó a estar un poco más corto en el swing. Um, he said that that's another thing that Jose Martinez helped him out with. He was taking too long in his swings, and Jose helped him out to shorten out his swings at that. When did that relationship start? When did you guys start working out together? Um, he said that he doesn't know him for that long. He only has known him for three months. Uh, but they play in the same team in Venezuela, which is um, the Sharks. Mm -hmm. Donde está the dreads? No más. ¿Por qué? No, me, me levantaba mucho con dolor de cabeza en las mañanas. He said that it would give him a headache in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 muchas gracias. Thanks, man. Gracias. Thank you, Alex. No problem. All right, cool. So he was, uh, you know, he, he was very reserved, very short answers, and you can kind of you can hear it in his in his voice where he's just like. You know, he didn't look at me. He, like looked down. He's like he, he, uh, he explained him. He answered the questions, which was great. But you can see that there's not a lot of you know uncomfortableness. Maybe I, I knew he doesn't know me from Adam, but um, 
at the end of the game. So what happened was that the, that game, Mackenzie Gore pitched. Uh, they ended up tying it up after he left. So you were talking to these guys before the game. Uh, this is uh, this is before the game, okay. and then after the game, uh, he hit. Well, he hit a game-winning tenth-inning home run. Oh, that's right. And I see him after you know I, after some stuff. I talked to Tony. I talked to Mackenzie, and I, I went back into the uh, in the clubhouse for I erased Mackenzie's number on my phone on accident. And I saw him again. I'm like, podcast mojo, mijo. And he smiled and I gave him a big high five. And he seemed to lighten up a little bit better. But like instant, instant mojo right there with a game winning home run. And uh, you'll hear a little bit with my uh, with my talk with Mackenzie after this. But, um, you know, I think Alex in, in turn is really going to help those guys talking to us. You know, um, Kevin Charity was up there earlier this week. And I think he talked to Luis Patino, but he's going to talk to a couple of other guys. You know, some of the Latin players and give them some of that exposure to the media, uh, if that's what you want to call us. Um, just interviewing guys where they can, you know, express themselves and be more comfortable with us. And uh, I don't know, maybe we get more insight, but they feel more comfortable talking to people. But I think it's really cool. I, I saw some of that when we went to that booster club welcome dinner, that there was a handful of the Latin players that just kind of, they, they kept to themselves. Yeah. And there was a shyness about them. Yeah. And you could see the between each other, there was a ton of personality and interaction. It's just, I think they were a little bit shy to interact with the, with the people that don't speak Spanish. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and, and that's to be expected. And these guys come from another country where, you know, they're shy about speaking English, even if any limited English that they would ask. Maybe when I do my next interview, I'll say, if you know any English, this is the time to practice it because no one listens to our podcast. Well, you know, we, we, we're not like, it's not like a huge, huge thing. You know, we're not true media, but, well, um, but the, the, the host families, that's one nice thing of living with a host family rather than in an apartment somewhere. And they also have, they, they do have English classes for the players. Yeah. So they are working on this. So who do we have next? So we have next, we have Tony Tarasco. So I talked to the coach after, after the game and asked him a few questions about players. It's kind of cool. We're here with Tony Tarasco. Uh, coach, you know, Max seemed to bounce back from his uh, last start where he went six innings but gave up two earned runs and only had three strikeouts. What did you see different from him tonight? Well, going back to his last outing, he had a tough inning, but he actually did the same thing that he did tonight, where he had a tough inning and he was able to regather himself and finish really strong. And I saw that again tonight from that looks like the first inning he was just kind of feeling for stuff, and then after that he started to let it go and trust in his talent. So that's twice in a row I've actually seen him put zeros on the board after he's given up a couple of runs. Right, um, and it seems like he may be, may be nervous. Was his family in town? I think his mom is his mom here? No. Um, he, he's he's been, no, he's, he takes a minute to settle in. So that's something he has been working on is coming out the gate more comfortable and trusting himself a little bit. Fantastic. And Luis Camposano is off to a pretty good start himself. Uh, what are you seeing from him? Well, he's got a mean intention when he walks up to the plate. <laughs> um, he does that. a good job making two-strike adjustments. Um, he adds a lot of depth to our lineup. And he is really, really engaged in trying to become a better teammate and become more connected with his teammates. So he's really engaged. and he, you know, he talks to guys throughout the ball game, especially his pitchers. So he's, he's making a lot of the noble adjustments, and he's also making a lot of the, the adjustments necessary. Okay. So Luis Patino has been struggling this season here in High A. Um, what can you attribute to some of those struggles? 
Um, well, it's a long year. I, I'd say his command would be the first issue, yeah. right? Not spotting balls where he wants to spot them, but right. also the same problem, taking a little bit of time once the ball game started, getting ready, you know, getting into the into the groove of things. I okay. have seen, uh, I've seen several innings where he's just kind of walked through them and he's felt his stuff. Um, I think it's just an adjustment for a new level. He's, he's working with um, more polished hitters now, right? So he's got to learn that you know, get the chase on all of the pitches that you used to get the chase on before. You have to throw more strikes. Excellent. And, and, and for yourself, this is your first year coaching. Uh, you coach a very young team here. Um, what are you trying to impart in these, you know, not only young players, but players in this, in this level, at this high level, at this age? What are you really trying to get these guys to do? I'm trying to get these guys to be respectful of the game and of their teammates and the people that surround them. I am trying to keep them competitive. Um, at, that runs all the way through practice, the way we run practice. Um, definitely want them driven. I want driven ball players. Um, and I want them open-minded. I want them, I want them willing to try new things. I want them to be objective when they look at themselves and self-evaluate themselves. Excellent. I really appreciate it, Coach. No problem. Absolutely. So you can hear, uh, you hear in the background, like his office is right off the, off the clubhouse is, and this is after a game-winning, you know, tenth inning home run by Gable Arias, and you hear the radio, you hear the guys partying, you know, just whooping it up. Um, Well, first thing I want to say, he has an incredibly strong handshake. I shook his hand. He's like, I'm like, (laughs) that's a shake. That's a handshake. Um, really easy to talk to. Um, Sam Guinea was there, and I can't remember the other guy, uh, Sam Guinea's other, um, I don't know if it was Chris Camp. It was someone else that was with him, and I've seen him before in spring training. Uh, and then the infield uh, coordinator, who, I, lack of prep, I don't remember his name, he, he introduced himself. And I'm like, hey, I apologize for not introducing myself. Donovan Jones, Friars on the Farm. But he was really easy to talk to as well. And um, I like that he wants to teach these guys how to be respectful of the game. I want to. I want. I love that. Even in high A, was it was it Kevin Hooper? I believe so. Okay. Um, that he, there's teaching these guys to be respectful of each other, respectful of those around you. Um, don't be big leaguers in a high A. You know, I, I kind of took it maybe like that, but just like he's trying to mold men as well as ball players, and and I think those kind of things go hand in hand with with development and with makeup and. Uh, you know, in ball with just ball players in general in the minor leagues. Well, I saw at that opening that open the welcome dinner that he definitely commands a presence. That the way he stands there, he stands there like I'm in charge. Yeah, and you can you can tell. I mean, he was wearing like cargo shorts and a t-shirt, but still, you could see that he was he was in charge of all the the boys that were there. Yeah, he is. He's- <laughs> He's, he's he's commanding. So that single, triple, and for the home run, I caught up a few minutes with Mackenzie Gore. Got a couple questions for you. Okay. You're struggling with command in the first inning. What's going on there? A little hyped uh, up, a little pumped up? Uh, I don't know. It wasn't really that was, you know, the heartbeat was going too fast. Um, you know, the bullpen was really good for the game. It was just kind of everything was up, and it was frustrating. I couldn't find the zone. But, you know, after, after, after that inning, I settled in, and it was pretty good from there. Yeah, and you settled in the second and cruised through the rest of the start. What adjustments did you make? Because you just seemed to just yeah, kick it into it, another gear. It wasn't gear. anything major. Uh, it was just you know, I had to get on top of the ball a little more, uh, get down the zone. That's kind of how it been. Uh, I haven't come out the gates great uh, so far, even spring training. 
Um, it's kind of how I've always been. So I, I really got to focus on setting the tone early because, as you see in my starts, I usually have a shaky inning, and yeah. it's been about the minimum after that. So yeah. in all the starts, so uh, just got to come out the gates a little better. But other than that, you know, I thought the stuff was probably the best it's been all year, stuff wise. Um, so it was good, good one to build off of. Yeah, the changeup was filthy. Yeah, there's some good changeups, good sliders. Um, yeah, threw some curveballs early in the count for strikes. Uh, Excellent. So, hey, four starts in the season. You got three walks, 27 strikeouts, and 22 innings. And you said in spring training, you wanted to come into spring training having all the parts and then putting it all together yeah. and then go. Yeah. Do you feel like you got all your parts going so, in the same yeah, direction? Yeah, we're going in the right direction. got three too many walks. Um, so, got to get that down a little bit. But other than that, I mean, I've been efficient. Um, I've been getting six ends on yeah. the recruiter pitch count, which I'm very pleased with, which is good. A little, you know, got you know, compete a little bit. I gotta be really efficient, and that's good for my game because uh, I'm gonna punch guys out. At times, when you punch a lot of guys out, you just throw a lot of pitches. So uh, everything is going in the right direction right now. Still, a lot of things gotta be better, like fastball command, just everything. So okay. to answer your question, yes, everything is going. In the right <laughs> <direction>. <laughs> you know, when, when you said you had a pitch pitch count. Would you have a, you're on a pitch count this year? Uh, yeah, we all are. Um, I'm not gonna say what it is. Okay. Just you know, keep it in the clubhouse, but. So, yeah, you, you obviously know I wasn't going to go out there and go 100, 120 every time out. Uh, yeah, so, no, I wouldn't think it would so, be So, yeah, that. just something in between us and, the, and, the, you know, and all the guys in the organization just makes it where we got to you know, work pretty hard and throw a lot of strikes. Excellent. Hey, so besides the visit in the off season, can you talk about the Sambo's influence on you so far this season? Sambo? Sambo. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, I mean, I played for him in the AZL. So uh, me and Zamo are really close, and he's really good at his job. He likes detail, and I like detail when it comes to pitching. He brings a lot of energy to the game. There's what we have a lot in common when it comes to baseball and other things. So he's a great guy. You know, I love him to death, and uh, we get a lot of work done. Excellent. So I know you like to stay in the moment, but what boxes of your own do you want to check off to feel you compete at the next level? Um, just keep throwing more strikes. Uh, you know, the waltz, three waltz through four starts, that can be better. It's really good, don't get me wrong. Um, but still, you know, a lot of three ball counts. Um, just keep being efficient. Like, I mean, I think I threw 52 pitches in five innings after the first inning day with eight punches. That's that's what I should do every time out. You know, yeah. very efficient. Uh, I don't care. I'm not. I'm, the strikeouts come, they come. But I'm more of. A, I want to go eat up innings. That's what starters do. The good ones. So last two starts, I've been able to go six, and I'm pleased with that. Okay, one more. And you saw you were uh, you're a witness to it tonight. Yeah. We call it the podcast mojo. Uh, Jackson Wincy's been having a great season. Uh, we got Nick Mangavichius on the Major League roster from being on the podcast. Yeah. And we talked to Gabriel Arias just before the game started tonight. So do you want to, how do you want to attribute your uh, success early in the season? Is it your hard work and determination? Or is it really when you came on the podcast in spring training? Oh, of course it was the podcast. You know? yeah. when, you, when, you, when you have to say things, it makes you really do it. Uh, <laughs> kind of like you say it and then you, then you walk it. So it was good. I appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> Give a lot of credit to y'all. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you walk the walk and you talk the talk, Mackenzie. Yep. Thank you so much. Yep, thank you. <laughs> all right, dude. Thanks. Appreciate it. So you walk the walk and you talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. You got to talk the talk. But the podcast mojo, it's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. It totally is a thing. Well, and here's what I like about interview is he's like, you know, I'm like three walks. He's like, well, first thing is three walks too many. And he's yeah. like, dude, that's four starts. You had four, you had four, three walks and four starts. Like, he expects perfection of himself. Yeah. 
And but, but the thing is, like, he, you know, the strikeouts will come when they come. Like, it's not like it's all nothing for him. It's like, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to prepare myself to be best. I'm going to try my best. And results will come. It's not like, you know, I failed and all. I, you know, then he blows it up and he's just he's pissing himself. He knows it's going to take a process. He knows that, it, you know, he's going to have bad games. He's no, he just, you can see that he's very mature for his age, incredibly mature, very focused. Uh, and, and, it, and it's fun to talk to. It's the second time we've talked to him and he is cool as a cucumber, man. You know, when we saw him at that prospect game, he seemed kind of a little bit withheld, I guess, yeah. reserved maybe, I guess is, is a word for it. It is yeah, that, but now that there there is personality there, I yeah. think he's become a little bit more comfortable in his yeah. skin and in front of people, talking to people he doesn't really know. Um, to translate a little bit, Zamo is Pete Zamora, yeah. the pitching coach down there. So that's good that he's got some history. And I like that, that in spring training, everybody kind of gets to know each other and then once they go out to the affiliates, they've got some history with the coaches that they're working with. Absolutely. And, you know, you saw a little bit of that comfortableness just real quick with Mac uh, in spring training. I saw him talking to Lance Brozdowski, you know, and like he, after he was done talking to him, Lance came over. He's like, the memories, like, that's the most he's been, that's the most he said to me in all the interviews I've done with him. So he is getting familiar with that role. He knows he's going to have to talk to, a, to media and, mm-hmm. Um, with that comfortableness and that confidence comes personality. And like, I don't, I don't know if any other prospect would go like, of course it was you guys, you know, and, you know, he'd probably say, uh, I, I, maybe, I don't know. The podcast mojo. <laughs> right. But All right. So super- let's roll down through Fort Wayne. Let's get Fort Wayne. Let's get out of here. But, and then we have a little more information on that stuff uh, with Mackenzie Gore later on, but starting in Fort Wayne single, Augustine Ruiz signed as a 16 year old at a, Via Emosa, Mexico, in 2016, a part of the big 2016 J2 signings for 80,000, finished last year in Tri Cities after tearing up the Arizona League with a 290, 384, 466 slash line with 11 doubles, 10 triples in in, in uh, complex ball. Uh, now the 19 year old is making his name for himself with the tin caps, is currently second in the Midwest League with a 362 average. He's got 13 RBIs in the first 19 games. While the hot start is encouraging, the teenager is aided by Babbitt north of 500, and he's struck out in 30% of his plate appearances. But he's doing well. Well, and he's young. He's he's 19, um, and he's he's grown a lot since last year. Yeah. So there's a really bright future for this kid. And he really, right now, as an outfielder, he can do it all. And they've got him playing a little bit of center. He's tall. He's got the big frame. So you can see how he can put on the power. Uh, but then you pointed out the triples. So he's got the speed. Um, the, the kid's an athlete. And he seems to have it all. And it's, he's putting it all together so far this year. And he was an afterthought in that J2 2016 signing. $80,000. That's a, that's a nickel. Mm-hmm. That's a nickel in these days. Um, and to get that production out of him, in a ball is fantastic. Moving on to to double. So John Nolan tweeted uh, hitters with the lowest swing and miss percentage in the Midwest League, with their age. Number one, Xavier Edwards, uh, two point seven, and he's nineteen. Tyler Freeman um, for the Indians, three point four. He's nineteen. Uh, Wander the the wonderful Wander Franco that everyone loves so much. Uh, with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, he's 3.5, and he's 18. Uh, Tucapito Marcano with a 4.2, and he's 19. 
So I saw that tweet from John Nolan. I'm like, oh, I got to have it on the podcast. That's really interesting. Yeah, it, it, Xavier Edwards never strikes out. No. He's, he's another guy that has more walks than strikeouts. No. There was a little bit of talk about that about him on uh, you know on Twitter today. I was last night that um, like. Major League Baseball teams need those guys. He doesn't need to hit home runs. He doesn't. He needs to get on, get on base, use that speed as a tool, and get over and get in. Mm-hmm. Um, the doubles will come. The triples will come. Who cares if he doesn't hit home runs? Like everyone's so home run happy. Like everyone, like even the second baseman's got to hit fifteen or twenty home runs to be considered a major league. You know, second baseman. But there's nothing wrong with being a backup center baseman, center fielder. You can play around the place. You're a pinch runner, pinch hitter. Um, and look at what Terrence Gore did for the Royals in the in their postseason run. Yeah. I mean, going back to Dave Roberts in with the 2004 Red Sox, he's never going to have to buy a drink in Boston, Boston for the rest yeah, of his right. life <laughs> for what for still stealing that base. Um, so, He's undersized, yeah. and he's not going to become Jose Altuve. No. So th- the chances of him becoming an all-star, you know, MVP caliber kind of player are slim. But there is a solid chance that he can have a very successful major league career. Yeah. D. Gordon. Yeah, D. Gordon's another. Yeah. He's a little bit taller, but D's still super thinny. Uh, super, super thinny. He's super skinny, <laughs> he's but super he's got skinny. the bat-to-ball skills, and Xavier Edwards is showing that so far. So you if know, he can hit for average, he could be a starting shortstop or a starting second baseman. And to go back even farther, a Juan Pierre. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if there's, you know, there's, I've heard that there's no room for the Juan Peters of the world anymore, but D. Gordon is a perfect example. Uh, Jose Altuve is a freak, but there is a place for the smaller guys that can get on base. And, you know, with, with him, it's, it's power with, um, Altuve, and we have Luis Udias coming up, and he's not going to be a home run guy. He'll run into one every once in a while, but there you don't need to be six two to play Major League Baseball anymore. Uh, and if you have the wheels that you have with with Xavier, X is the X factor, and that kid can motor. And I can, we can't say it enough. So but, then the other guy on your list here, Tukubita Marcano, you've got an interesting little uh, little note here from Travis Barnett of yeah, Mad Friars. Is, yeah, let's check in with the Travis Barnett for the triple. Uh, Tucupita Marcano, he was named after the town he was born in, in Venezuela. I did not know that. I was wondering where the Tucupita name came from. And this is what happens when you watch the games. You pick up these little tidbits. Like, I'll, I'll be watching a game, and they'll get those little, those little tidbits, and I'm like, oh, my God, i got to write that down. Um, they used some of our tidbits early in the season that they learned from the podcast from several of the players that we interviewed. No kidding. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I, uh, um, I'm dying. That, the, uh, the announcer for the Tin Caps is evading me right now because I've had too much of this puckered up lemonade. <laughs> and it's not hard cider, it's just lemonade. The lemonade incident. Um, but, you know, I said, here's another interview with us. He's like, yeah, I listen to a lot. I listen to all of them. And then you listen to some of these games and you hear some of the stuff that they've said on our podcast. They use it as material. How about that? Which I thought was kind of cool. Or at least I'm using that as an excuse. But going on. And he started the season relatively slowly, hanging around the Mendoza line. But the last two times I saw him, and this is Travis Barnett, at Parkview Field, Marcano looked to be in a funk mechanically, frequently allowing his shoulders to fly erratically up and out early in a swing. His three-hit performance marks the second multi-hit game for him in the past 10 games, but the video of his swing looks much smoother during yesterday's game. After collecting just one extra base hit through the first 16 games, he's clubbed a pair of doubles and a homer in the last two contests. He's hitting 282 over the last 10 games. So this is his second season as a professional stateside. He yeah. played in the Dominican Summer League one year. Yeah. So you've got to figure that this guy's raw, but he's got the 
incredible plate, the strike zone recognition yeah. and fantastic bat to ball skills. He's just got the coordination to make it happen. So even though he's got mechanical flaws, he's still getting it done. Yeah. And then he's got the ability to make, make adjustments and it shows up in a game in a short period of time. And there's, that says a lot about the guy. Yeah. And that frame is something to dream on too. He's got a, he's, he's a little bit slender, but there's, there's room for yeah, him to grow in that. He's body. six foot. I mean, yeah. and six foot. That's, that's, yeah. Again, you don't have to be six, two. You don't have to right. be giant with shoulders like this. Right. But when you look at a guy that's 19 and he's thin as a rail, and he's still out there you know, pulling it down the line, pulling fastballs inside and ripping them over the third baseline. Yeah. You see the bat speed. You see the coordination, the quick hands. And you know that if you add power to that, the, the bat speed is going to stay there. So the power is going to come in time. Yeah. So that is – that's affiliate rundown. So let's go back to the, the past few episodes I've talked about trying to get the shirts made, these shirts made, and to sell them – uh, not for profit, but to send the money into the booster club. So I reached out to a couple of people on Twitter. Um, and one of the guys who answered back was, is it Western metal, Western Machado building supply? Give me one. second. we got to find this here real quick. It's in. He is at BBTB 2018. I believe. Right? Yes. Uh, Western Machado building. I, I asked him to put something together. I also saw Tony Lasoya the other day at, at the soccer social summit and, um, Ask him if he could do the same thing, and he said he would. But uh, he came back with a design that's super cool. And when I interviewed McKenzie, I asked him, I said, hey, this is what we want to do. We want to take your likeness, uh, you know, that's very, very recognizable wind-up, and put it on a shirt, put something like Dominate the Day that he said on the interview that we had talked to him in spring training, and sell the shirts, and then any money, every red cent goes right up to the booster club. And I don't know if we're going to sell four of these. Well, I got to at least sell two because Mackenzie's like, yeah, you can do that, but you got to send me a couple. <laughs> I'm not going to go, okay, 50 bucks, dude. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to buy him a couple shirts and send him up there. And um, it's, it's a way we can show our appreciation, um, not only for, for having the access that we've given, um, but to show, you know, show appreciation to the team and the booster club because it's not cheap living in Lake Elsinore. For sure. You know, and not everyone has a Mackenzie Gore money up there. And so there is a booster club. They have fundraisers. And uh, we just just a way to give back. I don't want to make any money. Anything that we do for the podcast, I absolutely don't want any money for it. Um, if in the future, maybe there's some revenue from ads or whatever, we get picked up on any kind of whatever that thing would be. If it pays for the SoundCloud account, which is 15 bucks a month, so be it. But the sole <laughs> purpose of this podcast, I think it's just to tell the minor league story and to cover the minor league system for the Padres. And if we can do something cool like this, and I have a couple other cool ideas as well that, you know, that we can send the money out there. And if we make a lot, you know, if there's hundred, I don't know, tens of hundreds, I don't know, I mean, just a couple hundred bucks, maybe we can float it around to another affiliate um, and do something similar with another affiliate. But I, I thought it was a real cool thing. And, uh, you know, Max like, yeah, sure. Let me talk to some people. That is a, the second home run for Franmil Reyes here. That's a tie-breaking home run. I am Franmil. Uh, Franmil being Franmil. But it just, I thought it was a really cool idea. The design is freaking awesome. Um, it's not a final product, but I texted it to him today. He's like, that's great. Thank you. Um, and once we get it up, we'll let you guys know. 
Uh, we hope you buy a cool shirt. You know, it's cool. It's for a good cause. It's not not going to line our pockets. Going to help the booster club. But it's something I thought we kind of do, and that's kind of how I see the podcast doing it and anything that we get from doing this we give to them yeah absolutely well that's that there we go i guess we'll call it a wrap let's call it a wrap we got we got the game now he's in line for the win it's the top of the six chris paddock is the uh the pitcher of record he just gave a fist bump to fran mill um, that curveball is working. Yeah, he's, he's dropped that in there for a strike a couple several. of times, and it's it, it gets the 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 batter buckles just a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. they're expecting to see this or that, and then here comes something different. Yeah, and they they mentioned it on the five point five podcast where that curveball doesn't have that initial jump. These curveballs have had that initial jump and then drop. Yeah, it's starting out flatter. It's starting off flat. I think he's getting more depth to it before it starts to mm-hmm. to break, rather than being the big looper. Um, and I would imagine that that's just working with Ballsley and Doug Bockler and the other guys on the staff just trying to figure out what's a big league curveball. As you stand there, I, we've all stood there and played catch and spun the ball every way we can think of. And, oh, hey, look, I got one to move. If I'm the pitcher and I see it move, then it moved a lot. Yeah. Where you need to get it where it looks the same coming out of the hand and then it's going to fool the batter because it doesn't start breaking until it's halfway to the plate. Yeah. And uh, he's he's doing that. That's so fantastic. Um, God, I even just to go into the pitcher thing real quick. A little league chat. I end up we were beating the team so bad. I pitched an inning uh, this last weekend, and you know it's funny. You can talk about pitchers. You can watch a ton of baseball, but when it comes to pitching, like I just felt my mechanics were horrible. I threw nothing but fastballs because I can't throw a curveball. Um, and uh, I get out of the first inning, and then the second inning, it was like went to the fence. Next, very hard hit ball. And then, like, the manager's like, all right, that's fun enough for you. And then, you know, went out and played left field. But um, it's it's funny. I haven't been on the mound in five years. But it was kind of cool to get on the mound. I'm like, I guess it's not that easy. You know. Um, yeah, but, we've got one guy that pitches. <laughs> we got You guys got one guy, right? Yeah. Poor guy. He throws. He's he's a high school bat, high school baseball coach. So uh, he's used to throwing batting practice. That's basically what he does. He gets up there and throws. He's got a couple of off speed things that he can throw. But it's just he's just laying them in there, trying to throw strikes, and hopefully the defense can pick him up. Did you guys win? We did. Ah, uh, yes, yes. The Monos won. Los Monos, the yeah. monkeys. Love those guys. Why? Well, let's these guys. The, they stopped listening to us a long time ago. Yeah, we got into SDABL chat. We're we're going off the deep end. Yes, uh, maybe we'll have a SDABL podcast or maybe a supercast. But anyways, <laughs> you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Until then, go Padres. Go Padres. Go Padres.